Draft's podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier eSport betting site. Log on today to bet on all your favorite eSports titles at the simple click of a button. Choose your game, choose your team, earn Unicorns, and who knows, maybe you'll earn enough to enter to win any number of fabulous prizes, such as Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins in their marketplace. Unicorn.com. Log on today. Hello, Internet. This is Chase Retro King Wassenaar. I am a free agent, head coach, and analyst, as well as a contributor at Slingshot Esports. And welcome to a very special edition of the Rough Drafts Guess the Lines podcast presented by Slingshot. It is week two of the North American LCS. We got a whole bunch of games last week, 24, in fact. Uh, Four series went to that third game all of which were incredibly fun to watch. And the storylines that we're left with after week one are a couple pleasant surprises, a couple not-so-pleasant surprises, but certainly a lot to talk about. And I am joined by fellow Slingshot contributor and my good friend, Walter Cietis Fedchuk, to break it all down. Walter, how you doing, man? I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast before because I've I've had this thought in my head before. But every time you do the introduction... I've thought about how I want to host from now on, and I think I'm just going to go full heel and go full Paul Heyman with the whole, my name is Walter Seades Fedchuk, and I am the contributor for Slingshot Esports, the one <laughs> in 21 and one, the, and just do the whole spiel, because every time you do it, that's it, it's just the look. It's like Chase is walking down from the Titanatron down a ramp with his entrance music fading out in the background, which we now have and doing this introduction. I'm like, yeah, that's a great picture to have in my head. That's funny. That's hilarious. Look, as, as long as we don't go too far and accidentally become Roman Reigns telling everybody that we're the guy, <laughs> I'm okay. That's, that's the line. As soon as we tell people that we're the guy, we've gone too far on our podcast. Hashtag and Seth Rollins, baby. Oh man. Seth Rollins. <laughs> You can tell when we start with WWE references, you can tell it's going to be a good episode, folks. <laughs> and last week was a good week for us on the betting side of things. We told you guys to double down on Envy. We picked them in both series. Both of those were winners. We had Echo Fox over Cloud9. That went to three games. We almost had it. it close. Almost. Uh, unfortunately, uh, does not give us credit. But we still got $275 of profit for you nice people at home. That's free money, people. You can have 275 extra dollars right now if you just followed our smart money bets so hopefully uh we're going to be able to give you some more fun bets this week and it starts with nrg versus immortals walter nrg was a team that you and i had a lot of big question marks about obviously it was four new players from the previous split a couple of which we hadn't seen play on the lcs stage in a while and i think it showed i safe to say what was your impression of this team after week one? Man, Quas looks awful. 
Mm. Voss looks really, really. He looks like he hasn't been playing in the professional scene for a year. He looks bad. He looks unreasonably bad. Um, just teleport timings are off. His team fight positioning is off. Uh, granted, he had a couple games where he had some moments. He had some, you know, plays where you thought maybe they were going to show. Uh, he was going to show up and he was going to accomplish anything. Uh, the Echo game against Apex, uh, very in their first game of that series, he did pretty well into the Trundle, but Echo has a fairly decent matchup into the Trundle. Um, but everything else, he just looked really, really out of place. And maybe it's just him shaking off the rust. Maybe it's the fact that the team is really, really focused on GBM and, and OQ as players, but he looked really, really bad. Like, unreasonably bad. He is probably the worst top laner in the LCS right now. And that's including uh, Europe. Well, you know what, Walter? The stats back you up on that claim. Because right now, he has the lowest KDA of any top laner, not named Froggen, who had one game in the top lane uh, when he played, uh, I believe it was uh, the Echo uh, it because for uh, when they made that weird switch, that was a weird one for Echo Fox. I'm not sure how I feel about it, but everything else he did was atrocious. He was responsible for 30.9% of his team's deaths. He had the fewest CS per minute of any top laner in the league. I don't know how you play that poorly across the board when you weren't necessarily going up against particularly strong top laners. Here we are, and, and now we're at this point where I just – how does NRG bounce back? What's the path to success here for a team that has made it very clear that playing around their top laner isn't going to work and playing around the bot lane didn't seem to do much for OQ and KiwiKid either? Well, I still think that their path to victory is the same at the beginning of the season, which is going to be playing around these these two Korean carries. And hopefully OQ can finally get his footing and him and Kiwi Kid can really figure out how to be some sort of a dominant bot lane. They're going to have problems because there are a lot of dominant bot lanes in North America when you look across the board. Um, even Apollo and Expecial looked pretty good, and we'll get to them in a minute. But it's really going to come down to getting through this laning phase and hoping that in the team fight phase, you can really go off like GBM was able to do in the team's sole victory against envious on Friday night. That's going to be the plan. Santorin actually looked better than I thought he looked, despite the fact that he uh, was playing in the challenger series in the spring split, he looks like he belongs back on the LCS stage. But again, he looked like that the first split that he played with TSM and then he sort of petered off. But we'll get there. We'll we'll see with this team. I just don't know how good they are. And the first game on Friday is going to be against Immortals, who is a top three team in the league. And I think it's pretty blatantly obvious they're going to be fa- that Immortals are going to be favored. So my line is Immortals minus four fifty. Okay, you did not quite go high enough. I said Immortals minus six hundred. It is Immortals minus nine hundred and nine, which. Sounds really high until I ask you the question, would you take NRG at plus 500 here? And I think the answer is no, until OQ proves that he can be the carry that they signed him to be, or Quas looks like an actual LCS top laner. Because I hate to tell you, like, Huni can just play Riven against Quas. Like, there's no reason he shouldn't. And he looked very good on the champion whenever he played it. I just overpower him. What what's Quas gonna do right now? No, I, I I mean I get it. 
I get the super, super high lines, but this is just one of these things, like, there's still a chance. Immortals didn't look infallible. Immortals didn't look like they're going to win every single game from here on out. They definitely stumbled at times against Cloud9. Um, We'll see. We'll see. I, I still, I think these odds are high. And while the energy line is, you still don't think energy is going to bet on, like, is going to win this game nine times out of ten. Like, plus 500 odds for a potential upset is not the, like, you could spend your money in worse ways. You could drop five bucks on this game and not feel bad, and you know, instead of buying that, you know, five-buck meal at whatever fast food restaurant you want to. I mean, that's so, fair. You could uh, you could invest in worse things. You could be an investor in Phoenix One, for instance. But we'll get there <laughs> later. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk about two teams on the top of the standings that I don't think either of us expected to be there after Week One. Apex versus Envious. This is a game of the week that no one is going to watch because it's on at an ungodly time of the day, as we brought up when we talked with Jeremy Wolf earlier this week. It's going to be a, a very interesting series. Let's let's talk about Apex first, because Apex is a team that I think really came out of nowhere in both of our minds, uh, especially due to their new top lane talent in Ray. Walter, what finally made this team click in your mind? How did we get from a team that neither of us thought was going to be able to make it you know, close to the playoffs to a team that's now at the top of the standings and looking pretty darn solid on a game-to-game basis. Well, the thing to me was going to be the question mark of who do they play in the top lane and AD carry positions, and they figured it out. They have Ray playing top lane, and they have Apollo playing AD carry. And I think what's making this team work is Apollo doesn't need to carry. They don't have to rely on their AD carry to carry because the types of ADs that you're playing right now, the Lucians, the Caitlins, the Ashes, the Ezreals, sort of fit into a utility style. We think that, you know, Lucian is this hard-carrying AD, but this Black Cleaver Yomo's build, when you get into team fights, it's more you activate it, you do the alt, and you just start shredding through the tanks. And because you're doing that, your tanks, your front line can just go beat up on the enemy back line. They can get to a Caitlyn. They can get to an Ezreal. They can get on top of the Victors or the Azirs or whatever the enemy team is playing. And I think that's really helped because Apollo is absorbing all of these tanks and all of this front line coming at him with these types of champions and just sort of shredding away their health and distracting them while Ray, while Shrimp, while Keen are all going after the backline, are all being initiators, are all, you know, dealing damage and disrupting the enemy backline so that by the time Apollo does need help with these tanks, they've already killed off the enemy damage and they can just turn around. So the improvement of Apollo and the kind of the 80 carry meta has helped him a lot. And also Ray came out of nowhere and sort of surprised us. Like, I don't think anyone, even the most hardcore China and Korean fans that have seen him play in LSPL or or wherever else he's played in scrims or whatever, I don't think they expected him to be as good as he is. And right now he's, you know, a top five top laner in North America out of, you know, five games, essentially. Well, I will say this. I read a very interesting article from Kelsey Moser about Ray, who goes into a lot of what had plagued him in previous stints in the LSPL and and everywhere else he's been. And when you look at the advanced stats, you can kind of see where there are some problems at play. He died 15 times 
uh, in his five games there, which doesn't sound like a lot, but was significantly higher than anyone else on his team. He was responsible for 27.8% of his team's deaths. He was behind in lane by an average of 13 CS at 10 minutes. That is a huge differential to give up. And yes, they gave some of that to Shrimp, who was able to use those resources to really get a good handle on what was going on and, and, and be able to gank appropriately. But they had to invest a ton of resources after those first 10 minutes to get him back in the game. And funnily enough, he wasn't the big damage dealer that defined this team. That was Keen. Keen somehow managed to be tied with Bjergsen in damage per minute this week. I don't know how that happened because I don't think I noticed Keen throughout most of these games. I, but I have just... your answer. I have your answer. Swine! Swine! <laughs> Swine! He played God, Swain. I love Swain. That was the happiest person on the planet. Keen played Swain. Everyone played Swain. Swain was like, you know, awesome and actually played in the LCS and it wasn't a joke. It was amazing. I was so happy. I love Swain. And all of you non-believers who hate him, suck it. <laughs> all of the non-believers will get their time when they get to, uh, to watch him get nerfed in 6.11. So we're going to enjoy this as Swain fans. We got to take this in while it lasts. And, you know, Envious right now on the other side of this matchup, they've got to be taking in their whole series right now. They had two wins last week where they were expected to be underdogs. And with the exception of one game in which they let GBM's Vladimir just get away from them, they seem to be very consistent, solid performances across the board. Walter, how did this envious team manage to put these two series together? And is this something that we think they're going to be able to keep up as we continue through the season? Well, the way I look at it, they're tied for second. They're tied for the second best team in North America. Saros' prediction and statement was correct at the end of last split. <laughs> I think he's right. Uh, no, it, it comes down to their core. Their, their three-man Korean core is very, very good at the game. Seraph and Ninja, in an article um, that was written earlier today, was basically saying that they finally become a team. Um, and mm -hmm. I believe that was by Ryan Tang. And they finally figured out how to work as a team. Having a jungler who also speaks Korean gives them a lot of help, uh, allows them to all communicate, and allows them to operate as a three-man unit, which worked really well because Lod looks great. Yeah. Looked really, really good this first weekend. Him and Hakuo really held their own, really dealt a lot of, you know, dealt some damage. It, if I remember correctly, Lod has the highest KDA uh, in the uh, North American LCS. He's only died three times, which is in the top five, uh, which is, you know, top five in terms of lowest. Um, he's in the top 10 in terms of kills. He's got a lot of assists for an 80 carry in particular. He's in the top five for that as well. His kill participation is the highest among all 80 carries. His death percentage is the lowest in the league. Like I could just go across and read his sat line. He is doing exceptionally well when it comes to team fighting and he's, he's holding his own in the laning phase. So I really need to see him against a really, really strong bot lane. Um, Envious only played against, they played against Energy, and they played against Liquid, 
and I want to see more. He, they were able to handle Matt and, and Piglet. I, I need to see him handle other really good bot lanes. I need to see him handle Stixane Aphromoo. I need to see him handle Double Lift and Biofrost, which is a really good bot lane. Because that's really what's going to define Envious' success is how well does their AD carry support hold up against everyone else if they're going to be constantly running these three-man kill squads with the rest of their team. And I think you hit it on the head when you said everyone had their role. And by the way, when you point out that Laud was in the bottom five in deaths, I should point out that the only people who died fewer times than him only played one game. He died three times in five games. Now, that's not sustainable. And maybe if they're playing a liquid team that has any sense of coordination or they're playing a bot lane that has you know, their AD carry kind of show up in a way that OQ just didn't in this series. Maybe that's different, but honestly, I think his positioning is just significantly improved. I think he understands now what it means to be an LCS AD carry. And while certainly you can't sustain that pace, it is an impossible pace to keep up over the course of the split. It does a lot allowing Ninja and Seraph and Proxen focus on getting their lanes in order, making sacrifices where they need to to get the rest of their players in a position to succeed. And that's just been a ton of fun to watch. Both of these teams have been a ton of fun to watch. I can't wait to see them match up against each other. It will be worth being up until somewhere around 3 a.m. on the East Coast to see this series. But, Walter, where does that leave the line in your mind? So I think Envy is probably a more favored team um, among gamblers just because they have some more established players. Uh, so I have the line Envy minus 185. Well, I hate to tell you, man, you have misread the gambler's read on Apex right here. It's, I guessed Apex minus 160. It is Apex minus 133. They believe. There's enough hype after this Ray week, and I guess you could say Apollo, Special, and Keen are all names they'd recognize as well. The all aboard the Apex hype train. Uh, St. Vicious has got to be ecstatic to see that they're already getting a little bit of credit in that regard, given just how bad the futures were for them when heading into the regular season. This this team looks good. I I think it's going to be very close, and I think having it at minus 133 is a fair example of where these teams are right now. But- see, this is... This is- didn't, uh, yeah, Renegades didn't face Apex in the in the summer promotion tournament, but I guess people are forgetting uh, how badly uh, Proxen crushed Apex when TIP faced them in the summer promotional qualifier. So I'm just going to go out on a limb and say this is probably a pretty decent smart money bet for us. I'm yeah. just, just going to call it right now. I think this is probably a pretty decent smart money bet. I absolutely think so, especially now that Ray is not going to catch as many people off guard. People know that he's good now. People can tell that he is very overzealous at times and can walk himself into mistakes. I think it makes a lot of sense. But let's look and see. Maybe some better value will show itself up. we got to move on to day two, the Saturday games. Liquid versus CLG. Walter, what happened to CLG? How did they go from second place at MSI to looking like there's no team cohesion whatsoever. Uh, they look like they have no team cohesion whatsoever. It seems like that all dried up. It seems like they don't 
quite know how to play around the elemental drakes and around rift herald and around rotating around the map they just blatantly got outplayed by tsm just flat out out rotated outplayed that game in particular to me looked like clg tried to play tsm's game of we're gonna out talent you we're gonna out lame you and tsm just kind of laughed and said nah fam like no <laughs> and then out out clg clg out rotated them just and, and darshan in particular looked absolutely horrendous against haunters laning phase wise he just could not catch a break haunters was all over him sven scaren was all over the mid lanes you know we we said in the the preview for CLG, Huey is one of the weaker mid laners in, in North America, and they didn't give him any help, but that was because their other two lanes were flailing so much. And even into the, the Apex series, they had similar problems of their side lanes were failing, and that meant that, you know, Keen could kind of beat up on, on Huey, and Keen and Huey are probably similar in talent levels. Um, but, but at the end of the day, this just didn't look like a cohesive team. This didn't look like CLG. And if CLG can't out-rotate and out-team fight and out-strategize people, I we said in the pre-show, they might be, you know, the sixth team when it comes to just pure talent on the board. It's one of those things where I'm not willing to hit the panic button yet. I'm going to pull the, the, the devil's advocate card for CLG for a second. They had to play an MSI, which means that they did not get nearly as much time as other teams did. To deal with the midseason changes, things like understanding the power of the elemental drakes and, and properly evaluating things like Rift Herald, I can see why they might be slower to the uptake on that just because they had to spend so much time and energy scouting out SKT, making sure that they had that sequence of patches down pat. However, there were problems this team had that had nothing to do with the patch. Who he was a mess. He was ganked time and time again, especially in the TSM series. And it was one of those things where at some point, I don't know how it catches you off guard. You know that TSM is going after who he, they've been ganking his lane over and over again in the early game. And X Smithy never rotated. They never adjusted. They never communicated a way to turn those fights around. They just left who he to die. And that's one of those things where especially against a team with as good a mid laner as Bjergsen, I don't think you can do that. And then you look at Darshan, and I, I don't have an explanation as to what happened because it wasn't necessarily that he was being out-rotated or that his teleport timings were off, though you can make an argument but that both of those sentiments are true. But whether it was Hanser who went full god mode this weekend, or Ray a guy who should have had punishable flaws that Darshan could exploit. He just looked lost. And it's not like he's playing champions that he hasn't played before. He just wasn't mechanically there. It was like he didn't have his head in the game. And if I'm a CLG fan, that's really concerning for me because CLG's success is not based on individual talent. It's based on having a system, a system that, Every single one of those guys bought into and have followed to a T and really made something special with. It's why Zix is, in my opinion, the best coach in North America right now. But if they can't figure out how to adjust the system to the changes that have been made, if they can't figure out how to deal with the fact that teams are going to attack who he, they are going to try to punish some of Darshan's mistakes. This could turn 
really, really quickly. And I, I think it says a lot that Aphromoo and Stixay were keeping them in a lot of these games so much so that the second Aphromoo died is when the whole thing fell apart for them and at least two of their losses this week. So obviously there are some concerns there. They've got to be viewing Liquid, who we'll talk about a little bit later in the podcast, as a bounce-back opportunity. Walter, where do you see this game at the end of the day? I have CLG favored at minus 225. Wow, you're going to be mad at me because you lose by five points here. Because I said minus 220. CLG minus 189. I don't know if that's respect for Liquid, which there really shouldn't be that, if this week is to be believed. That's respect for Dardock. That's yeah. Dardock is back, and that's Dardock respect because let, let's be honest, and we will talk about it a little bit later, Liquid looked like a completely different team with Dardock starting. Completely different. Absolutely. I, and, and it's one of those things where I, I understand that you have to take that into account with the line. But as we pointed out in week one, when we were looking at the futures, it was Immortals at the top, CLG, and TSM. And then it was over a thousand point drop for the next team. All of the lines last week, CLG, were heavy favorites. And now they're minus 189 against a team that went 0-2 last week. And I understand that Dardock's coming back. But even if Dardock had been there from the very beginning and Liquid was a solid team last week, in that hypothetical world, I'm still surprised that the line has moved this much against them. This is where we are now. They, people are not believing in CLG after one week of play until they prove that they can get back to that organized, well-coordinated, intelligent team. They're going to have a lot of problems because as you said, the talent alone is not what carries this team, but let's move forward. NRG versus Echo Fox. We've discussed NRG's flaws in depth already in this podcast, but Echo Fox is one of those teams that left me with a lot of question marks Obviously, they got two games off of Phoenix 1. I don't know how much credit we're going to give them for that. Certainly, at least uh, that game two in that series was a lot closer than I think a lot of people anticipated. But they also were able to take Cloud9 to three games. So, Walter, at the end of the day, where are you left sitting when you look at this Echo Fox roster? I think... Echo Fox has improved across the board. I think the players that have needed to improve have improved. KFO has definitely gotten a lot better. Um, I think Keith and Big as a bot lane have gotten better. And I think Hard has, has gotten better, despite the fact that there were all these rumors of potentially Dardock having to go someplace. And Echo Fox would have been like a premier location for him to go. Um, they've gotten better. They still make some really silly mistakes and things like the the lane swap i understand the thought process behind it kfo is a a vlad master like that was his champion that is absolutely his champion but the the cheese aspect of it didn't really work because froggen didn't look like he quite knew what to do in top lane so i'm not sure how much they've you know scrimmed him playing top lane but there were definitely times during that game where he would do something i'm like that's not what a top laner is supposed to do here like, that's not what a stereotypical top laner is supposed to do here. That's not, that's not what you're doing. So they may have to work on that if that's actually going to become a reasonable strategy. But 
they really need to work on limiting the impact that junglers are able to get because Meteos in those two games were really was really able to control the map. And maybe some of it has to do with big and hard need to work on their warding, uh, how they ward more. Maybe they need to work on their, their maps of where they're going to ward because Meteos on that Rek'Sai was definitely able to tunnel around and skip some vision in order to get, you know, influence on the lanes. So at the end of the day, that series in particular didn't really tell me much of anything. Echo Fox is still kind of where I thought they were going to be. They're going to beat up on the lot, you know, on the weaker teams, and there are going to be moments where they contend with some of the upper teams. But with how fast Apex and Envious have gotten off, you know, the starts they've gotten off to, it's really going to be an uphill climb. And I can't wait to see Echo Fox against those two teams to really see if they stand a chance of getting into the playoffs. Yeah, they're definitely going to have to display that they can do it consistently against teams that are in that range that are going to be fighting for those lower to mid-tier playoff spots. And as you said, you know, the games where they look good, they looked really good. KFO had a couple really powerful games. It's always nice to see Froggen on Anivia. But more importantly, their win against Cloud9 was one of those victories that comes from just out-rotating your opponent on the map. They never picked a fight that they didn't want to pick. They waited until the very last moment possible to actually pick a fight. And by that point, they were almost 8,000 gold ahead because they'd gotten barons, they'd gotten all these objectives, they'd focused down all these towers, and Cloud9 just had no response to anything that they were doing. And that's one of those things where that version of Echo Fox is terrifying. The fact that they could just choke an opponent out that way without really having to do much other than just being in the right place at the right time and and understanding where their composition needs to be in order to you know avoid the fights that could turn things around against them that is the echo fox i want to watch unfortunately games 2 and 3 of that series showed that that's not always the case the frog and kfo switch i don't think is going to happen again I certainly hope not i i thought it was a Weird idea, to say the least. And as you said, there are differences in how you play those lanes, even if they're just solo lanes, to the extent that you really don't want to make that switch if you don't have to. But in both of their losses, they let a roaming mid laner and a roaming jungler get super fed and just hemorrhage these kills. And to me, it's just another sign that this Echo Fox team, they have an understanding of the map. They have an understanding of where to be and what they should be doing, but the actual mechanics of the game, how to turn these fights around and win a fight for their squad just doesn't seem to be there yet. And that's why they're going to struggle against a lot of these better teams until they figure that side of things out. But Walter, they're not playing a truly better team this week. They're playing NRG, a team that has obviously struggled as well. So where do you think this line ends up? I have a lion Echo Fox minus 185. Okay, you get this one. Okay. I went too low. I said Echo Fox minus 140. Oh, come on. I the <laughs> Echo Fox got no credit last week. I was not expecting the casinos to adjust as quickly as they did. But they did. Uh it is minus 208. That seems like a, a very fair line. To but be also, fair, let's not forget that energy was favored over envy last week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like there, 
NRG got credit and Echo Fox didn't last week. And now both of those teams have proven that we were wrong for, for viewing it that way. And now we, you know, now the adjustments are coming in. I think yeah. it's a, I think it's a fair line. I think NRG plus 155 is interesting if you think that Quas is going to, you know, get used to being back on stage or OQ can't possibly play with that little of an impact two weeks in a row, given his hard carry style that he tends to prefer. But certainly we'll have to find out. Next up, Phoenix One versus Cloud Nine. Can we get our Phoenix One thoughts out of the way in 15 seconds? Because I, I don't have a lot to say about them, but I feel like we should say something. Um, They're the worst team in the LCS. They're mediocre. They are trying to just play a cheese top lane split push strategy with the Trundles, and it's not working because they have no team cohesion. Cloud9, minus 350. <laughs> That's in- entirely reasonable. Uh, your line, unfortunately, is is very off. Well, uh, to be fair, I didn't expect Unicorn to go Immortals minus 900 against energy so yeah i didn't expect this either i said minus 400 the actual number cloud nine minus 1250 which for a team that went three and three last week is kind of absurd says way more about phoenix one than it says anything about cloud nine that's very true and i i will say the problem with phoenix one more than anything else as you said there's just no cohesion even when they have a, a relatively decent early game because Laning phase is much more individualistic and you can get lucky every once in a while as I think they did in their game against Immortals in game two, but they have no idea how to team fight. So they have no idea how to rotate. So, so here, here's the thing as a gambler. Last split and previous splits, we would make these crazy assumptions. Like, you know what? Like at some point, someone is going to win a game. Like no one's going to go completely never winning a game. And you just have to find, figure out the right game when it's likely to happen. Rocket beat Vitality in the very first game of the season. And I don't think anyone really expected that to happen. But one problem with best of series is those games are going to happen. Phoenix one is like going to beat like an envious. They're going to beat an energy. They're going to beat a cloud nine. They're going to beat someone, but for them to do it twice, you know, in three games is going to be very, very difficult for it to happen, which means we're probably never, ever going to gamble on Phoenix one in an upset. Like it's probably never going to happen because even as poorly as like energy and echo Fox have played, like looked at some points and even team liquid who are down there right now, they're more cohesive team than Phoenix one. And I just don't think Phoenix one has the ability to put out of three games, two good games together to win. So I'm just saying that right now, if we ever gamble on Phoenix one, it's because something really, really crazy has happened. I think. Yeah. There, there would have to be a collapse on the other side of things, but let's talk about what I think is the most interesting series of the week. TSM versus apex apex obviously had a lot of things go their way this week, but TSM had even more things go their way this week. Walter, you're a TSM fan. I'm going to just let you take the floor here. Feel free to gush about how wonderful your team looked in week one. Your definition of interesting is very, very flawed in my opinion. Really? (laughs) I think the other TSM series is way more interesting. It'll be way more fun to watch. Like, granted, Keen has shown he is, like, the ultimate Bjergsen counter because you bait Bjergsen into a pick and Keen is like, Ahaha, you have activated my trap card. I play Hecarim. I play Urgot. Bjergsen's <laughs> like, 
Oh shucks, guys, I'm Joey Wheeler in this situation. <laughs> oh shucks. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh reference because I've been watching Yu-Gi-Oh the Abridged series lately. Can Anyways. someone please Photoshop Bjergsen's head onto Joey Wheeler? <laughs> Or get Bjergsen to say Brooklyn Rage at some point. <laughs> Just please. I don't ask for much from you guys as fans, but I'm asking for this. Please. I need this in my life. It needs to be his profile picture. <laughs> Bjergsen Rage. A anyways, let's be honest here. Ray, we've seen five games out of him. Haunters, we have like almost two full years of experience and as good as ray looked in his two series haunters looked even better mm. haunters looked good he looked really really good and watching this matchup excites me like i can't wait to watch ray duke it out against haunters but i'm even more excited to watch hooney duke it out against haunters Svenskeren and Shrimp is going to be a fun matchup, but guess what? Rainover versus Svenskeren is going to be way better. The, the bot lane, like Apollo and Expecial are about to get crushed by Double Lift and Biofrost because for as terrible a lane, lane that Yellow Lift or Double Yellow or whatever the heck other TSM fans wanted to call that lane, Double Frost or Biolift looks way better. I just think that TSM is that much stronger of a team and those first games showed us that they have finally figured out that team cohesion were there moments that Biofrost got picked off because he was in bad spots of course but across the rest of the game across everything else TSM looked like the best team fighting team in the North American LCS and they looked like the best laning team in the North American LCS and right at this moment, after week one, they're the only team that went 4-0. Everybody else has to step up to TSM. And as good as Apex looked, Immortals is a better team than Apex. They're more talented, and I think they have more team cohesion across the board. So I think that series is more interesting to watch just because they were both projected to be NALCS contending championship teams. But now... Apex and Envious, the fact that they're playing so much better, and teams like CLG and Liquid and Cloud9 look a little bit worse, you're now seeing this, what we talked about, only five teams thinking that you know really contended in the top spots. Now it's expanding out to like seven teams where we're going to see this kind of flow back and forth. And at this moment, TSM is the guy standing on top of the hill. Yeah, I mean, that's undoubtedly true. And I, I do want to clarify Immortals versus TSM is the best series of the week. I find Apex versus TSM interesting because that's going to tell us how good Apex actually is. Can Ray actually keep up with Hauntzer? Because if he can, I believe in Ray going forward to remain one of the better top laners in North America. If he can't, then I, th I think we know that there are a lot of things that he can be exploited on. If Keen can keep up with Bjergsen, then Keen is the guy who has put together these incredible stats in the mid lane right now. If he can't, well, more likely than not, he's going to go back to being the Keen that eventually fell off during his time at Gravity. It's not that I think that Apex is going to be a better matchup against TSM. That Immortal series is going to be the one to watch if you're just only able to watch one series this week. But as an analyst, as someone who wants to see how this whole picture comes together, I want to see if Apex can take a game. If Apex can beat TSM, 
I think Apex could be a top four team at the end of the split. If TSM 2 owes them, then I start looking at this Apex games from last from week one and I say, well, maybe NRG just sucks and CLG had an off week because they're still recovering from MSI and have not had as much practice time. This is when Apex has a chance to do it against a genuinely talented opponent where there are no question marks. And whether they keep up or not, I think is going to say way more about who they are as a team. Whereas no matter what the outcome of the TSM Immortal series, I think the end result is going to be both of these teams are really, really, really good. But before we get into the Immortal series, I, I need to get your line for TSM versus Apex. Where do you see it ending up? TSM minus 333. You got it exactly. Hey! Congratulations. I said minus 250. It is minus 333. You haven't got it exactly in a while. That's, I, I like it. I dig it. It just felt like that number. Like I was going to put TSM minus 300 and I was like, come on, Walter. You know it's never 300. It's always 333. So That's nailed true. it. I'm happy. Uh, it, it is one of the things about whenever the main site uses the decimal system, which doesn't really work well for our podcast because it, it doesn't leave a lot of room to guess very well. But it does mean that certain outcomes are reliable. You know what certain things translate to over time. And minus 333 was exactly the right call. But, you know, we've already started talking about this Sunday series, TSM versus Immortals. This is the best series of the week. If you can only watch one series, this is the one to watch. What matchup of all of this are you most excited to watch? Let's just rewind like three minutes when I was gushing about Haunters versus Hooney. Like, let's just roll back to that because that's the that's that's what it is. I'm excited about that matchup. Haunters versus Hooney, both like Haunters has been playing Echo, but he's playing it like carry style Echo with tank items. He is aggressive. He's in the face. He's trying to kill people. It's just been really, really fun to watch. So I can't wait to see both of these aggressive in your face guys match up against each other. And we've seen top lane Riven from Hooney. Like maybe we just get to see top lane Riven. Like I I'm not as a TSM fan, just a fan of League of legends in general. I'm just excited to watch these two Titans go back and forth for the rest of the season about who's the best top laner in North America right now. Cause this is just good, clean fun. I have to say right now, Hanser is playing at a level that is just almost unbelievable. And the fact that Huni is nearly at that same place blows my mind. Hanser had an 11.0 KDA over those four games. That's four deaths, by the way, one per game that he played on average. That's insane for a top laner who, as a general rule, is, is the main target to kind of soak through damage so you can get through the bat line. He had the second highest CS differential of 10 minutes amongst top laners with 13.3, when that's not even usually the lane that TSM likes to prioritize. And the only thing that keeps him from being at the top of the chart is that Huni had a CS differential of 14.4 at 10 minutes, which is equally insane. I don't know how these guys do it. Their earned gold per minute numbers are so far above the pack. They're just so talented across the board. And it's going to come down to whether Huni is able to get more kills than he gives up in deaths. Because he has always been a guy 
who is willing to put himself out there and take risks in these fights in order to try to get the advantage. And sometimes that means you end up dying when you didn't necessarily need to. And that's the difference right now is that Hauntzer just isn't dying. He's just being exactly what that team needs and doing it without any real penalty along the way, still being a carry while not hurting them uh, by not being around for team fights that are going to turn things around. It's really been incredible to watch. I-, I will say I'm very interested to see how Adrian and Biofrost go head to head. I know you mentioned that Biofrost certainly played a lot better than I think either of us expected. I know you especially had some reservations about him when he was originally signed. I, and I think he's proven that he is very much the player that TSM advertised him to be. But now he's going up against Adrian. And you have someone who is so good at positioning and getting the disengage and putting his AD carry in a position to just go ham. And Biofrost positioning might not quite be there yet. Mechanically, he is incredible. He's hitting all of his shots. He does a very good job of following double lift and bringing the most out of him. But there's still a chance that he is going to be able to be caught out of position by this wild turtle Adrian bot lane here that does such a good job of penalizing every little mistake you make in lane. It's going to be a heck of a series. Walter, at the end of the day, where do you see it ending up? I have the line TSM minus 155. Okay, I get this one. Yeah. I said Immortals minus 150. It is Immortals minus 125. TSM is the underdog at minus 105. What? Immortals went 2-0 last week as well, and they were the favorites heading into the season. What's changed? What? What's changed? What? Immortals are the same team that had the best odds to win the whole season. Nothing has changed about this team. (laughs) I am in such disbelief right now. It's not even funny. (laughs) I'm in such disbelief right now. It's it's actually... Wow. What did you see from Immortals that says that they don't deserve to keep their favorite right? About nine. Immortals okay. go four and zero, oh, and TSM had good competition. They beat the league champions, then they beat Team Liquid. And granted, the Team Liquid started Moon one of those games, and didn't and, and both of those good. teams are zero and two, and at the bottom of the standings. Whereas Cloud Nine at least went one and one, and got three victories this week. And both of them were top four teams in the NALCS last split. And Immortals beat Cloud Nine, but it took three games, and they beat Phoenix one in a two zero. But there were moments in that Phoenix one game where Immortals were making mistakes that a better team would have punished. I think that's absolutely ridiculous that they're favored in this series. I think it's ridiculous. To me, that's fine with me because I... Man, that's ridiculous. I get to take TSM minus 105, so I'm very happy with this. Take TSM minus 105. I mean, I don't know. I'm a little bit less harsh on it because Immortals were such strong favorites with the Futures, and until a team loses a series, they tend not to back off so much on that. They were the preseason favorites. They won both of their series. You can argue that it wasn't as clean, but they still won. They still have a lot of talent on that roster. I, I, I get it. I get why they're the favorites. That said, TSM minus 105 is such an obvious bet to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm incredulous right now. Like that is, 
asinine to me. It is asinine because even in the third game that Immortals won against Cloud9, they didn't like stomp them. They went 17 and 1 in the spring. Like they're still like <laughs> they're still and a they good got, team. And TSM crushed them in the summer in the spring playoffs. Because they they did or the 3-0. most yeah, the most uncharacteristically stupid draft I've ever That's, seen in my goddamn life. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they picked Teemo five times. They got swept by TSM in the playoffs. I understand. I understand. Oh my god, that's ridiculous. That's I, ridiculous. I, I think there's a line I argue with more later, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll we'll get there. Here. We'll get there. Let's uh, let's move on before Walter has a heart attack here. I'm already uh, having an aneurysm in my brain. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, this is probably not going to help. Envious versus Phoenix One. It's another Phoenix One series, so. Let's get through it. Where do you think the line is? Uh, I had Envy at minus 300. Okay. You lose this one, which means you lose the week. Sorry to say. I had Envious at minus 320. It is Envious minus 455. Okay. So here's the thing. Cloud9 was 1250 against Phoenix 1, and Envy is only 455? Are you kidding me? Look, I too agree with you that it's silly. I, I guess if you're going to make the case against Envious, they dropped a game against an NRG team that we're not sure is any good. And their two wins against Liquid were when they were playing Moon. So we have no idea how much that actually means. Cloud9 is three times higher favorites, though. What would I, the odds for an Envy Cloud9 series be today? I bet it would be Cloud9 minus 250, would be That's my guess. That's not three times! Remember, it's it's exponential. You have to forget that you have to remember that curve is a logarithmic curve. So two and a half times. Are Cloud9 really two and a half times more likely to beat Phoenix One than Envy? When you put it in a decimal odds, Cloud9 is favored. It's 1.08 in decimal odds. Envious is 1.22. So it's actually a lot more than I thought it was. Yeah, that's silly. We're 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 in silly territory here. Oh, okay. I'm I my annual I'm I'm full on stroke mode right now. Like my my the side of my mouth is like there's it's just it's droopy because I just oh god <laughs> come on unicorn why I it's just it's, it's it's weird to me because it means that we're gonna give Cloud Nine credit for taking a game off of Immortals, which if you're a Cloud Nine fan, I totally understand being excited by that. But then you also have to punish them for how bad their loss to Echo Fox was. That was a terrible loss. They got choked out where it was almost like they shouldn't have even been on the rift. I think that matters. I, I, it's amazing to me that we're, we're going to give credit one way and not the other. I, I thought it was a weird line. I still think it's a weird line. We're going to move on. Echo Fox versus Team Liquid. Dardock is back. Dardock has been quoted on stream saying that he had no interest in playing for the main roster of Team Liquid as long as Lokodoko was the coach. I guess they've made amends because Dardock is the starter for the foreseeable future to the extent that Liquid has come out and said that he is going to be the starter for the rest of the split. Walter, I, I, I guess we should start with what impact does this make for Liquid from a gameplay perspective? And what impact does this make as far as controlling the locker room and, and getting these guys in a situation where they can believe in the system and turn this bad start around. I mean, 
it's massive for their gameplay thing because I think Dardock and Warlow are, are really good friends and they really, really work well together. And Warlow looked terrible with Moon in the lineup and he didn't even look great in the second game of the TSM series. But I think part of that was just how over the top Haunters was and how just strong he was as a player. And it's it was more about, this weekend was more about Haunters being very, very good than Lorlo, you know, not being very, very good. I, I think the combination of Haunters being so amazing in that second game of that series um, really impacted him and didn't make up for the fact that Dardock is much better with Lorlo than Moon is. When you talk about inside the locker room, I there was an interview that Loco Doco did with uh, Fion, Tyler Erzberger with ESPN, um, that they he talked about it and he said it, everything has been very up and down, uh, especially the Korean boot camp, um, and that there was a lot of you know Dardock has a very huge voice on the team. Um, he's very outspoken, and there's times where his voice got too big. There were also times he acted out of line. He said they wanted to set a new set of standards on what kind of behavior is acceptable and what kind of behavior is unacceptable. Dardock had some insubordinate behavior, so we decided to suspend him. We gave him the option to go to other teams, and he tried out for other teams. In the end, it was actually Dardock who took the first step forward in getting back to playing and getting back to keeping the team mood really well. Uh, it was at a point where we weren't going to work with Dardock because Dardock had put so much work and so much effort. He really showed how much he matured, or how mature he could be, and he took the suspension really, really well. We ended up with a better Dardock than we originally started with. Um, there was also a point where uh, where Loco said that some of it was also on him, that him and Dardock ended up having to reconcile. Um, let's see. Uh, it was handled it, how it was handled from my side. I will also take equal fault in it. There were a lot of bumps, and me and Dardock squared out a lot of our differences, and we're in a really good place right now. Uh, and then they double checked. He said he's not going to be transferred, and uh, Loco said, barring unforeseen circumstances, Dardock will finish this split with the TL LCS roster. You guys can read the whole interview over on the ESPN esports section. Um, that that's just where all that information came from. So it seems like there is some sort of reconciliation that happened. And when that happens, you know, both parties are going to admit some sort of fault. This happens in professional sports. And most of the time though, it doesn't end up panning out, but it does seem for the, the extent of the rest of the regular season and going into the playoffs and qualifying for worlds, you know, they're going to let bygones be bygones and try to get to worlds, which Loco said it's worlds or bust for team liquid. Yeah, I mean, if it, the goal is worlds or bust, you needed to find a way to make Dardock work. And, you know, for me, it comes down to two separate things. On the one hand, Dardock's 18 years old. I can totally see, as an 18-year-old who just got all of these rookie of the split, you know, potentially the, the most valuable North American asset right now, just in terms of what he opens up as far as importing talent and everything else, I could see how all of that would get to his head and create a situation in which he wasn't being as respectful as he probably should have been, and it leads to this falling out that can very easily be mended once he realizes that at the end of the day, he wants to be a valuable member of his team. The other thing that needs to be kept in mind, though, is that this is not the first time that we have heard of problems within the liquid locker room, or the second, or the third, or if we go back to curse, the fourth, the fifth, 
etc., etc. This is an organization that has always seemed to have some egos like this that get in the way of this team achieving everything they can. I hope that it is past them. I hope that Dardock and Lokodoko mean it, and it's not just PR speak when they say that they figured it out, because the league is a lot more fun when, when Dardock is playing on Liquid, because he brings a much more decisive shot-calling presence than Moon ever could at this point in his career. And I want, you know, like I've said many times on this podcast, I want every team to be good, because if every team's good, then it's better quality games for all of us to watch. That only helps at the end of the day. But now we've got to see it, and we've got to see it last. You know, there's an easy honeymoon period when people make up right away. But what happens two or three weeks down the line when this era of good feelings is over and they start having a disagreement again? Do they know how to work it out? Can they do it in a way that does not affect the rest of the team? That has yet to be seen. I'm cautiously optimistic. I want to believe it will work out. You know what I'm not optimistic for about, though, is is our boy Lorlo here, who you mentioned earlier. He had the lowest damage per minute numbers of any top laner in the North American LCS. He had the second lowest earned gold per minute stat ahead of only Quas. These are problems. I don't know what you do when you have a top laner that has a 47.2% kill participation, which makes him the lowest of any top laner not named Froggen, who isn't actually a top laner. Not doing damage, and you're not earning your own gold in order to put yourself in a position to succeed. And oh, by the way, you're also tied for the second worst CS differential at 10 minutes. That doesn't get fixed just because Dardock is back. You have got to find a way to play at a higher level than that, because otherwise teams are just going to exploit it time and time and time again. Do you think that Echo Fox is the kind of team that can exploit this, Walter? Is Echo Fox built to be able to punish that inherent weakness in this Liquid roster right now? Nope. Dardock's out for blood. Dardock's going to be out for blood. And like, and as I said earlier, that team looks completely different when Dardock is in the starting lineup. I don't care whatever is happening behind the scenes. It sounds like it's only between Dardock and Loco, which is fine. But on on the playing field, that team looked really, really good last split up until they ran into that Immortals wall where Immortals finally decided, yeah, we're going to play tanks in the top lane with Hooney. So I, I don't know if Echo Fox can handle it. If Echo Fox does handle it and does win this series, that, again, that's really good for Echo Fox. That says a lot about Echo Fox and their ability to hang in with this lower, you know, lower top tier of teams that are trying to go in for the playoffs. And it says a lot about Team Liquid and potentially the lack of cohesion, lack of practice, everything that's been going on in the scenes. Maybe it does show that there is this sort of schism happening between the players and the management or the players and the team themselves. Um, but when it comes down to it, I think with Dardock in the lineup, Team Liquid are going to be the favorites, and I have them at minus 150. You got it nearly exactly. Uh, I had said minus 200 just because I thought that with Dardock, maybe it would give them an extra boost. But it is indeed Liquid minus 149, which is, I think, incredibly reasonable. And and that's because they went 0-4. Like, that's because they got crushed in the first week. And granted... 
three of those games were without Dardock, but you still do have to take into account that Lorlo did look really bad. Phoenix did look pretty mediocre. The bot lane looked okay, but they didn't look great. They didn't look amazing. And Moon did not play as poorly as I expected. He did have some moments where he did have some some you know playmaking ability, but he also made some some really big mistakes. So I I don't know. I might think about Team Liquid against the CLG because I, I really do think Dardock is going to be out for blood and we're going to get a really, really good, you know, high level playing Dardock. Don't forget that game against TSM, he pulled out the Lee Sin, which is like his his killer instinct champion. Yeah, it's it's absolutely in play. But before we do our smart money bets, we have one more game to break down. CLG versus Cloud9. We've talked about both these teams pretty extensively so far in this podcast, Walter. So I'm just going to ask you, what is the matchup that will define this series? Oh, boy. Um, the, the matchup that's going to define this series. The, the problem is it's not about the, the team matchups, I think, in and of themselves. I think it's about whether or not CLG can find its team cohesion, its strategy, its shot calling, whatever that, that, that secret stuff is that got sprinkled on top of these less talented players the last two splits that, that made this team work. They need to find that mojo because if you look at these teams, lane for lane, talent for talent, the only one who really compares is your bot lane. Impact and Dar just going on your like play the last you know the last week here. Darshan did not look good in that first week. He looked very very bad. And maybe that is part of what is this secret stuff is is that Darshan needs to be so influential on the game. Impact and him are basically a wash at this moment. And Impact even looked better than I expected in, in week one. Uh, Meteos for Thick Smithy. They're pretty even in my opinion. I'd give Medios a little bit of an advantage because he is more prone to playing carry style. Even though he's only playing Rek'Sai, which I think is just really, really weird. I don't know why teams aren't potentially picking that away because he's just come back into the professional scene. And the fact that he has played all six games on Rek'Sai tells me he's not comfortable on other champions in a competitive setting. Maybe that's a band that you have to just you know swallow and try to knock him off of his game. Jensen versus Hui. Jensen is by far a better, better mid laner. And then you look at the bottom lane, 6A Aphromu versus whatever support in Sneaky. You know, I think Sneaky is a little bit better than, than 6A, but the support position, I think Aphromu is better than either of those supports. So if CLG can find that, that mojo, that, that shot calling expertise that got them to second place in MSI, that's going to be the difference maker here between whether CLG or Cloud9 wins. And you'll learn about that in that Team Liquid series that'll be Saturday morning. So you have plenty of time to decide whether or not you want to take Cloud9 as I think they're going to be underdogs in this series. It's a very interesting one to me. I think it comes down to which team will play like a team and right now if you look at just kill participation numbers cloud nine has some of the best kill participation numbers at each individual position across the board only jensen's kill participation numbers were not particularly great the rest of them are all either in the in the 80s or the high 70s meanwhile aframu is the only guy on his team with a 70 or higher percent kill participation. Everyone else has been spread along the map. Darshan is as low as 
84% kill participation, which to me says one of these two teams is rotating around the map, picking their objectives, and picking fights as a full five-man unit, and the other one is not. And CLG is not going to win if they allow Cloud9 to out-team fight them as well as outlane them. All those lane matchups you mentioned can all be outdone if CLG finally plays as a five-man unit and does this system that we have seen in the past from them. But they're not going to be able to do it until they start playing like a team. And right now, Cloud9, for all of the flaws they showed, they do look a lot more like a cohesive unit than what we've seen from CLG so far. Walter, where do you think this line is? At the end of the day, I think CLG are still the favorites because of how much they did in the postseason and then into the MSI. I have CLG at minus 185. And like I said earlier, you want to pay a lot of close attention to that Team Liquid CLG game to figure out whether this is a game worth gambling on one way or the other. So, Walter, I'm going to say this. Neither of us gets a point because we both picked the favorite wrong. Because I said CLG minus 190. It is Cloud9 minus 125. CLG minus 105. So taking that into account, looking at the Phoenix one line, I just why are we so convinced by a Cloud9? They went three and three. I I don't know. I don't know. This is Jack working some vaccine magic, man. I don't know. I just I understand the Cloud9 faithful are a powerful group. You know, they 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 came out, they're clearly supporting their team with these lines, but really? Nah. Really? One week and we're willing to throw I'm, off the second-place MSI team. I'm telling you right now, gamblers, if Cloud, if CLG looks really, really good in that Team Liquid series, you go you go CLG here. Well, and, and this is where... the underdog. This is where I am, Walter. I, I want to take... First of all, we could lock in uh, TSM minus 105 against Immortals, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Thanks for that that brain tumor again. That was, that's great, Unicorn. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Do we like CLG minus 105 against Cloud9? I think it's way too dependent on how good they look against uh, against Team Liquid. Okay. Um, but Do you feel better about Envious plus 105 over Apex? Yes. Yeah, okay. Envious over Apex I definitely feel better about. Um, and and then, then we need one more. I'm looking at, e at both of the Team Liquid games. Okay. And I'm trying to decide... Would I rather take Team Liquid over CLG and just hope that Dardock just completely goes off? Or do I think that Team Liquid, if they lose that series, are going to have some serious internal issues going on and Echo Fox beats them on day two? I, I think I think you choose either the Echo Fox Team Liquid series or the CLG C9 series based on what happens in CLG versus Team Liquid. I think that's really what comes down to it, is whoever wins the Team Liquid CLG series probably wins their second series as well. I definitely agree with that. Unfortunately, here's the problem. For everything we could say about, you know, Team Liquid really wants to win this one. It's the Dardock effect. All this matters. CLG also wants to win this one because they just spent the last week being made fun of for the fact that the top team in North America, second place in MSI, and they went one in four in their first five so, games in the LCS. So, so they've got to be just as hungry. It, it almost leaves me wondering... Like, are we sure Echo Fox is good? Because we can get NRG at plus 155 against them. I don't think NRG is good. 
I don't think energy is good. I think Echo Fox like, looks at that game and just puts KFO on Fiora and just like good luck Quas. I mean that's fair, but like OQ can't be as bad as he was this week, right? Does it? It does not matter if KFO just goes just goes Fiora like he's shown he's willing to do and just beats up on Quas. It does not matter at all. Because against a Fiora, you have to have a top laner that is able to fight against her. And with QSS changes, with the QSS changes no longer being able to take off her ultimate, champions that are behind can't beat Fiora. She is ultimate snowball that top lane. And Echo Fox has already said, we are completely willing to play that strategy. And Quas has shown me nothing to make me think he's going to be able to go even or better than KFO's Fiora. So I, I am not confident until Quas shows me that he can actually be an LCS capable player. I, I think that we just say if we really think CLG is going to beat Team Liquid, we go CLG over Cloud9. Yeah. That, I think that's, that's the best one. I think that's the one we have to go with as well. Uh, that's, I mean, it's one of those things where, at the very least, I don't think there's any way that CLG goes 0-2 again. I just don't think that happens. And I think that Liquid, it's up in the air how, you know, how much Dardock is just going to be on a rampage. But Cloud9 has already got at least one win under their belt against Phoenix 1. I could see them dropping the ball against CLG. I think that's in play. So our smart money bets, at the end of the day, we have TSM minus 105 over Immortals, Envious plus 105 over Apex, and CLG minus 105 over Cloud9. Not a lot of massive vigs this week, but enough that hopefully we'll be able to make some more free money for you guys, and hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast. If you did, you should definitely subscribe. You can go to soundcloud.com slash esportsroughdrafts or go on iTunes. If you search rough drafts under the podcast section there, you'll be able to get all of our episodes as they come out either way. And on iTunes, you can even leave one of those fancy review things, which really do a lot to help our algorithms out. So we really appreciate when you do. You can also follow us on Twitter at roughdraftspod. This is where Walter and I do our live tweeting. So we'll be live tweeting the EU LCS and North American LCS over the course of this weekend. So definitely check that out if you like that kind of thing. Uh, you can also find our individual accounts on Twitter. Uh, I am at RedShirtKing. Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? You guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL. Awesome. And come back next week. Obviously, Wednesday will be the European Guest of the Lions Week 3. Thursday will be the North American Guest Alliance Week 3, both of which are on Slingshot Esports, our wonderful presenting sponsors who we're very happy to be working with here. And we're going to try to get another guest for you guys. I think uh, we really like having an extra perspective every week. So we're going to get to work on, on getting one of those. Uh, enjoy the games this week. And until next time, goodbye, Internet.